for your goodness to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Lake Church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Well, we've got some business to take care of, and the Holy Spirit uh, spoke to me as we were worshiping the Lord, and uh, we're going to pray for a dear brother of ours that's going to be going in uh, for uh, bypass surgery here this Friday. So I'm going to ask Bill Rambo, one of our ushers, to come up here, um, and we're going to pray for him. Just stand right here, and um, I want to read a couple of scriptures because, you know, the Lord confirms his word with signs following. Amen? Amen. And uh, two scriptures that I stood on, you know, and still continue to stand on when I went through what I went through, and uh, uh, is found in Psalm 73. And uh, verse number 25, now it starts off a little strange, but, but listen, it says, um, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know what? God is the strength of your heart. Amen. You see, we have to understand that strength comes from the Lord. Amen. And so we need to understand that our flesh may feel strengthened, but that's, our flesh is not where the strength comes from. Our strength comes from the Lord. And so when, when, you know, when I feel you know, challenged in that area, I, I make that my confession, that the Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen? And uh, then this one here in Psalm 118, in verse number 14, it says, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. How many righteous do we have in here? Then you should be singing glad songs. Amen? Amen? And this is the song. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord, which is Jesus, never fails, one translation says. Then it goes on and says this. I shall not die, but I shall live. Amen. And recount the deeds of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. There's many more scriptures about strength. I'd encourage you to get into those and look them up. The Lord is the strength of your heart and your portion forever. He has you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to strengthen you. And you're going to come out better than you went in. Amen. Amen. So we're going to pray for him. Extend your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you, Father God, that the Lord is the strength of Bill Rambo's heart. And Father, we just release that right now in the name of Jesus. And every prayer that's been prayed right now in Jesus' name, we just thank you that he is protected and covered. And I thank you, Father God, that everything will go well and smoothly in Jesus' name. We curse these blockages. We command them to dissipate by the power of God. And we release the anointing into his body, rotting a healing and a cure, delivering him in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father God, that they will say that, man, God was in this. God was in this procedure. God was in this man's life. We can see the evidence of the resurrection life of God. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. So be praying for Bill and his family. Hallelujah. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Amen. Now, while I was meditating on that, the Lord said that he wanted to minister to those who are having high blood pressure issues and having uh, heart issues in their life. So if you, if that's you, I want you to come up here right now. The anointing of the Lord is here. <clears throat> Amen. Now you can sit there and like a lump on a pickle, or you can come up and uh, get free. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just line up orderly. Yes. And we'll, we'll lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. And, uh, Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, one thing that we need to understand is this, is that um, Jesus took heart failure. He took heart disease of any type. It says in the 22nd Psalm, it says that his heart melted within him. That, that's heart failure. I felt that. I know what that feels like. It's when all strength ebbs out of your body and you begin to feel it coming down in, in your feet. And it is not a good feeling. But when Jesus hung on the cross, because he was using so much energy just simply to breathe, it put great strain upon his pulmonary system and on his cardiovascular system, that his heart actually began to fail. Now, he took that so that these people right here Amen. and you out there don't have to take it. Jesus took high blood pressure. Jesus took heart failure, heart disease. He took all of these things, and it says that when he was, you know, Karen was talking about the drink offering. Well, you know, that uh, Roman spear, you know, went up underneath and pierced the sack around his heart, and it says, out came blood and water. Well, basically what Jesus was doing was he was pouring the drink offering on his already uh, delivered up sacrifice of his body. Because that's what they would do. They would put the lamb or the animal, and then they'd take a drink offering, and they'd pour it up, and it, it caused uh, fumes to come up, you know, smoke to rise up, uh, just like you do on your grill when you're trying to get to tame it, you know, as you're trying to cook a steak. Understand that. that when Jesus was on the cross. He was in the hot of the hot. He was, his life was ebbing from him. He was dead at this time. And they proved that he was dead by, by piercing him. And that water and blood got on his body. And it was a drink offering. It was that he was poured out. So I declare that Jesus has already poured himself out on behalf of these people. Do you believe that? So all we're doing here is we're appropriating what Jesus has already done. I was reading in the prophets and it said this. It says that the delivered will possess their possessions. Isn't it amazing? It's already their possessions, but they have to possess it. So all we're doing is we're just possessing our already possession. It's already yours. Amen. Lift your hands unto the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. 
We just curse this right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, right now. Be gone. Be gone. Be gone. In Jesus' name, thank you that the blood pressure is regulated right now. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. We curse this anxiety right now. We curse it right now. Perfectionism. Perfectionism. Be gone right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus. Blood pressure be normal in the name of Jesus. Right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. name. You're already approved. You're already approved. Do not wrestle with it any longer, my son. You're already approved. You're already approved. You're already standing in my presence. You made it. Don't fret about it anymore. Don't fret about it anymore. Just as I told that man, son, your sins be forgiven you. Or take up your bed and walk. It's the same for you. Both are the same. Both are the same. Be free, be free, be free, be free, be free. In Jesus' name, anxiety from performance, anxiety from acceptance issues, be gone in the name of Jesus. We just release you right now from it right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Father God. We just pray for regulation right now in the name of Jesus and perfect Blood pressure in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. (laughs) There's many more that you're going to help go over to the other side. You're going to go over to the other side. You're going to go over to the other side. You're going to help others get over to the other side. And you've thought, you know, majority of the people that I love are already on the other side. They're already there and they're waiting on me. And sometimes you think about that quite a bit and you think about joining them. You think about, you know, how wonderful that's going to be. But I just sense so much that the Father's telling you that you've got many more to bring over to the other side. That when you show up to your homecoming. There's going to be people right here in this house and around your community that are going to meet you there. They're going to be there because of your ministry and what the Lord has done in your life and that you don't need to look for retirement or slowing down. You need to increase, 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 increase and continue to move forward, saith the Lord. For it is not yet complete. It is not yet complete. There's still some laps to run. There's still a course to run. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and the Lord's going to give you good, strong health to be able to do his will for your life right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Regulation of blood pressure right now in the name of Jesus. Blood pressure. Come into normal functioning right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, blood pressure right now in the name of Jesus. Come in line right now in the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Mm. Quit beating yourself up. Quit beating yourself up. Mm. It's gone. It's over. That, that, that part of your life is gone. It's under the blood. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Release yourself from that right now in the name of Jesus. Release yourself from that. Don't be condemned any longer. That's just the enemy. That's not my voice. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. Recognize it. Resist it. Cut, it, cut yourself off from it right now in Jesus' name. Cut yourself off of it right now in Jesus' name. Break yourself off the guilt. Break yourself off of the shame. Realize that my son took it all for you. He hung naked on a tree so that you could be covered. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blood pressure. Be normal in the name of Jesus. 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 Cast your care on the Lord, for he cares for you. For he cares for you. Cast those cares on the Lord. Cast those burdens on the Lord. For he cares for you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, be free. Be free. Be free in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Blood pressure, be normal right now in the name of Jesus. We call you into normal, normal, normal settings right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Stress over relationships. Stress over relationships. Begin to give them over to me, saith the Lord. Begin to, to bring them to the cross. What I mean, bring them to my presence and begin to beseech and plead before me for them. And you'll begin to see that anxiety leave and that stress leave and that burden leave. And it will cause you to live a more joyful existence, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do not let the smallness of people begin to dictate your emotion and your life, saith the Lord. In Jesus' name, be free. Be free. Be free in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Blood pressure, go into full. Hallelujah. Total and absolute. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Blood pressure, we call you normal right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's a lot of whys. There's a lot of whys in your life. There's a lot of questions you have about your life, where it's went, what, is, what has been. The Lord wants you to know that he is the author and finisher of your faith and that you need to rest in him. You need to rest in him. You need to stop looking at what the enemy has done and begin to see what Christ has done 
in his death, burial, and resurrection for you. The clearer his sacrifice will be to you, the more your body will come into alignment with the health and healing that the cross provided. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Father God, for full regulation of his blood pressure right now. In Jesus' name, be free. Be free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord is good. Mm. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you sure you're ready for this? All right. Well, as we have been going uh, into this new um, season at Lake Church, the Lord wants us to go through an examination. Amen. And it's always good to examine yourself. If you understand and know the prayer line here, a lot of what God dealt with wasn't necessarily blood pressure. That was just simply the fruit. Amen. Uh, I remember, you know, going through what I went through, and sometimes I would uh, be filled with anxiety and, and have to resist anxiety attacks and things of that nature. And I remember the doctor telling me, he said, there are so many variables that go into blood pressure. There's a lot more to blood pressure than just simply gauging, you know, the, the numbers. There is anxiety, there's all kinds of stress factors, there's all kinds of eating, bad eating, things of that nature. The thing that we need to understand is this, is that when hands are laid on us in the name of the Lord, that isn't the end, it's the beginning. And uh, the Lord will begin to speak to you about your life. And that's one thing. Now, there's ne never been a time that I have prayed for healing in my own personal life that he didn't begin to start talking to me about my life, about things that I need to adjust and make changes. Amen? Amen? Otherwise, I'm going to fall for the same thing again. If I don't learn the lesson, if I don't know where the trap is, then I'm going to fall in that same trap again. It might be three months later. It might be a month later. It might be a year later. But I'm going to fall in the trap again if I don't learn the lesson. And the Holy Spirit is here to lead and guide us into all truth. Amen? All truth. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to go over the scriptures that we went over uh, the first, and then we're going to move into what, uh, what we have here this morning. We talked to you about three card, and we talked to you about how that the, uh, the church has been deceived into looking at a, a construct, a card game, and uh, trying to see God and trying to experience God based upon chance. When we really have the more sure word of prophecy, we have the word of God, we have the Holy Spirit of God, but yet we're looking to the world to try to find God or to try to do things for God. And God never meant for the world to use, never meant for the church to use the world's ways to do the work of the church. Amen? And so we're talking about that. Now, here's the scripture that we're going to look at. Um, this is Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 22 and 23. And he put all things under his feet 
and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And I shared with you last week that Jesus was the most powerful individual to ever walk planet earth. How many will agree with that? His body was the most anointed body that was on planet earth at the time. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, guess what? You're his body on the earth. Amen? Now, we're talking about collectively, friends, because each of us have a measure of his body. We are parts of his body. Uh, This is what 1 Corinthians 12 teaches us. None of us have necessarily what he had as he walked. He had the spirit without measure. You and I have the spirit by measure. We've received his fullness, but our operation in the earth is specific and, and has to be a part of a collective. Amen? In order for your gifting, and I'm going to say this and it's going to make some people mad, but in order for your gifting to work, you've got to be in a collective. Hello? You can't be a secret service saint. You can't be a closet Christian. If you got up this morning and your knee said, listen, I'm not going out today. I'm going to stay in bed. You're not getting out of bed. Hello, you might get a crutch and, you know, walk through there, but, you know, you're not getting out of bed. If if parts of your body rebelled against you and said, we're not coming in. Hello. I shared with you that Jesus is the only carpenter that builds with resources that walk off the job on him. Hello. And he works within a body that doesn't necessarily align herself with him. And so the goal of this teaching is to align ourselves with him. Amen? Align ourselves with him. Now I'm going to read this out of the uh, message paraphrase. It says, all this energy issues from Christ, talking about his resurrection power. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of all of it, has the final word on everything. Praise God. He's at the center of all this. Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Amen? So the church is the express image of Jesus in the earth. If that person next to you is born again, name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, filled with the Holy Spirit, has received, you know, Christ Jesus, guess what? They are the express image of Jesus. Now, you might look at them and say, oh, my gosh. (laughs) But they are the express image. We collectively, and every church that meets under the name of the Lord and have been born of God, are the express image of Jesus in the earth. So if the world is going to see Jesus, where is the world going to see Jesus? 
It's going to see through the church. And that has been a problem of late. Come on now. I'm not just talking about, you know, us. I'm not. Notice this. Jesus said this in Matthew 16. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. So he's given us the ability to bind and loose. We shared with you that we've been deceived into thinking that church is a building. That church is some place we meet at. The church is you and I. We are the people. We are the body of Christ. This is just simply a place where the body of Christ can congregate and meet and be energized and built up and, and, uh, and caused to rise up and go out into a dying world and be Jesus. Amen? And so we're here. This, this building you know, doesn't house God. God comes in when you come in. Come on now. God's not waiting on you here. Hello. I wish my kids would come and see me. You know, that's not what God's doing. He's not here, you know. We have, you know, Kevin and I have to keep him entertained until you guys come in. Hello. But there are people that think that God lives here and I'm going to God's house. No, you're God's house. Amen. And the more you get that revelation, the more you'll experience the transforming life of God. Amen? Amen. It's vital and it's important. Now notice this, Psalm 115. I'm just going through what we went through last week. The heavens are in the Lord, are the Lord's heavens. But the earth he has given to the children of men. We also see that in Genesis 126. It says, let them, talking to mankind, humanity, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Who has dominion? Mankind does. Mankind was given an earth lease to dominate God's creation, the work of his hands. But he subleased it to the Satan. You know, he subleased to Satan and realized that he got a roommate that he didn't want to have. And they created a world that we're going to talk about at... Uh, Disclosure tonight. I'm excited about that. I'm real excited about what we're going to talk about tonight at Disclosure. Notice this. 1 Peter chapter 4. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Where does judgment begin? Why does it begin at the household of God? Because everything begins at the household of God. If God's going to do something in the earth, he's going to do it first in the church. Okay, now notice we didn't read the second part last week. It says, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now notice, read that again. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now notice that. Notice how the church affects the outside world. Not the other way around. Hello. Now we talk about this, and, and, and listen, I don't mean to step on anybody's toes today. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to, uh, to I'm, I'm not trying to motivate you through any kind of guilt or shame or condemnation. We just have to speak the truth in love and we've got to talk. See, we're at the doctor's office. We're turning our head and cough. We're getting an examination. Amen. And that means we got to be honest. Okay. 
And one of the main reasons I hear Christians talking about why aren't people coming to church? Well, let's take this scripture. Why aren't people coming to church? Well, why isn't the church coming to church? Oh, gosh, you didn't hear you didn't hear that. You didn't hear that. Why in the world coming to church? Well, why in the church coming to church? Hello? If it's not important to you, they're not going to see the importance of it. Judgment begins where? It begins in the house of God. What if it begins there, then what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Well, they're going to cast off restraint. If we don't set the standard, then they're not going to see it. They're not going to see it in our lives. They're not going to see the importance of being together. They're not going to see that at all. Hello, it's the truth. It's the truth. Oh, you don't like it, but it's the truth. I don't like it either. It says, and if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Okay, let that sink in, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I shared with you about Jesus going into the temple a couple of times, and um, he cleaned the temple out. How many remember that? He cleaned the temple out, and uh, he basically took a system that was within sacred property, which is really what the devil has done. He's taken a system, a system of legalism, a system of merchandise, a system, you know, that's operating within the sacred walls of the temple in our minds, you know, and collectively and corporately as a church. And he had to whip it out. And you're going to have to whip these things out that we're going to talk about. Amen? Amen. And so let's turn to my text finally which is going to be Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1. Now, if you want to get into alignment and understand God's role in the church and how the church is going to operate, then you've got to go to Ephesians 4 the first 16 verses. And that's what we're going to look at in these next few times that we're together. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. If you want to see how the church is supposed to operate, then you study these scriptures, okay? You study this passage of scripture because within it is the architectural plans of how the church is supposed to function, okay? So he says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, or a prisoner for the Lord, as this translation said, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, he's not saying that you are not worthy. That's not what he's saying. Jesus' work has made you worthy. Let me say that again. Jesus' work on the cross has made you worthy. He who knew no sin 
became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? So it's his work, but the Apostle Paul tells the church at Ephesus and tells the church today that we are to walk in a manner that's worthy. Now, when we start talking about that stuff, immediately people start getting into legalism. It's legalism. You're putting rules and you're putting regulations on. No, this is what the Apostle Paul said. And do you believe that Ephesians is inspired? Do you believe that God spoke through the Apostle Paul? So he's telling us that because we've been made worthy, we need to walk in congruence with that worthiness and that our ability that God has given us to walk in the power of the Spirit causes us to walk in a manner that is worthy of the very redemption that was freely given to us. Amen? Now, he doesn't ever say anything that we cannot do. The Bible never admonishes us nor gives us command unless we have the ability to do it. Okay? So he begins to, to kind of give you clues as to how you can walk worthy. In the first phrase right there, although Paul was a physical prisoner, this is something that the apostle Paul used to call himself when he was in prison or out of prison. He called himself a prisoner for the Lord. And if you're going to live a free life, now listen to this, this is a, this is a, a paradox, okay? Because majority of spiritual things are paradoxes, all right? Here's a paradox. The freer you want to live, the more a prisoner you have to become. Hello, come on now. It depends on who you're hooked up to. Amen? So the freer you want to be means that the, you have to become more of a prisoner for the Lord. Amen? Amen? Because what did Jesus say? He said, if a man lose his life for my sake, he'll find life. Amen? So I'm telling you, one of the most difficult things that you have to do as a disciple is to lose your life. Because you lose everything that you have been connected with, all your identifying markers, everything that you have collectively assimilated as who you are and what you believe you are and what you believe has to be put on the altar. You've got to have to lose your life. The word life there is the word for soul, basically. And we talk about that in train. You can go get the book, Empowered to Discover, because it tells you how to lose your mind the Bible way. Amen? You've got to learn to lose your mind the Bible way. Because if you don't lose your life, you won't find life. If you continue to do it your way and live life based upon what you believe is right and you are the final authority in your life, you're not going to experience life. Okay? 
So he says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you. He said, I'm setting an example because I'm not just a prisoner when I'm in a Roman cell. I'm a prisoner when I'm free and roaming as well. I'm a prisoner for the Lord. I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm not a prisoner of the devil. I'm not a prisoner of sin. I'm a prisoner for the Lord. Are you getting this? Your freedom depends on who you are chained to. If you're chained to the old nature, if you're chained to the old man, you're going to live in depravity. You're going to live in bondage. You're going to live in defeat. But Jesus said, take my yoke. Notice he didn't say, you know, you're going to be free of encumberment. He said, take my yoke upon you. My burden's light. My way is easy. But it's still a yoke. Amen. Amen. So if I'm going to experience the freedom that Christ has given me, I've got to yoke myself up. I've got to connect myself. I've got to become a prisoner for the Lord. Does that make sense to anybody? Okay. Now notice it's going to tell you in this next verse, what are some of the characteristics of being a prisoner for the Lord or walking worthy of the calling that you've been called? Okay. It's not Holy Ghost power. When she touched me, I tingled. When he prayed for me, I got healed. That's not the signs of walking worthy. Sometimes we do that. See, God spoke through a donkey. And he still does today. Okay. It has nothing to do with your proficiency in being used. We have this misgiven notion that if someone exhibits any kind of spiritual uh, gift, that it's there because of maturity. And it's not true. You can be used in spiritual gifts and be carnal. Hello? Samson? The whole church of of Corinth. (laughs) They exceeded in no gift, the Apostle Paul said. But yet they were very carnal people. Hello? But we have this mistaken notion that if someone exhibits any kind of spiritual capacity... That means that they prayed for me and I got healed or I saw them prophesy and they gave a good word and everything. We need to understand that you don't qualify for gifts. You don't qualify for gifts. You got to understand that. So that means that God, God uses availability. You know, he's not, he's not necessarily looking, well, I got to, I'd like, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Kevin's close to Jimmy, uh, but I just don't know if I can use Kevin, you know, because, you know, he, he watched the Sopranos, you know. (laughs) That's not the case at all. 
God's looking for availability. He knows that uh, Kevin is close, and so he's going to start talking to Kevin. Kevin's watching the Sopranos, and then all of a sudden the Holy Ghost comes in there and quickens. You need to call. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? See, that's a gift. I give gifts not because, you know, now we're so used to getting gifts based upon merit. merit. You know, oh, you did good, son. You made straight A's. Here's this. Well, really, we're training kids. Oh, out of grace. We're training kids out of grace is what we're doing. We're, we're getting people into works. I'm not saying there shouldn't be rewards because, you know, in this world system, it, it, it operates in it. But we got to understand that many people who consistently have to work and work and work to get something, even acceptance from their own family, tend to take that over into their relationship with the Lord and they have trouble receiving from God. And, you know, people are able to receive their healing, baptism of the Holy Spirit and stuff very easily. Those that have, have realized that's a gift. Part of the big problem I had from receiving from God is because I believed I had to deserve it. Hello, it's, it's, I had to deserve it. And some of the most miraculous things that God has done in my life was in, the, can I just be honest with you, speaking the truth in love? The greatest miracles I've ever received in my life, Clayton, have been in the dirtiest times of my life. When I wasn't doing right. There is absolutely no way I deserved it. But that's exactly the way our Father works. Because that power of grace, my goodness gracious, the power of grace is transformative. I mean, it transformed me out of some things. Amen? So we can't equate. See, that the problem is, and I try to teach this to our students at, at train, is that you know, your gifting can outpace your character. Did you know that? You can actually be known for a gifting and be horrible as a person. <laughs> Hello. You know, you've got people that have good oracle gifts, can present themselves, speak, you know. Um, and wow you with their ability to break down the word or whatever. But that's gifting, guys. That's gifting. People always ask me, well, what do you do to do what you do? I just received a gift. I, don't, <laughs> I can't take credit for anything that has ever been done in this place. I can't take credit for any message I've ever preached either, good or bad. Whether you liked it or didn't like it, it's all about gifting. See, I don't necessarily have to work on my gifting. Oh, you, you don't, you're, not, you're not hearing me. I don't necessarily have to work on my gifting, but I do have to work on my character. I'm speaking the truth in love. Because I want my character to be in line with my gift. I want them to be in there. Are they always that way? No. No. No, I can yell at my wife and kids and come up here and preach heaven down. Hello, 
smoke a pack of Marlboros, and feed the homeless. Oh, come on. Oh, you not acting like you're in the world. I do not smoke Marlboros. All right, it's okay. I'm using that as an illustration. Okay? You understand that? See, my, my gifting can outpace my character. So therefore, I cannot judge anybody based upon their gifting. Well, God must be really in their life because they, they really do well when they, you know, when they pray and when they do that. No. <laughs> no, not necessarily. That's the reason why we not only have the gifts of the Spirit in the Bible, but we have the fruit of the Spirit in the Bible. And Jesus says, and you shall know them by their gifts. Is that what he said? And you shall know them by their gifts because they prophesy and they gave you a word and it helped you and everything. No, they can go give you a word by a gifting of God and they're off in some illicit relationship. No, he says by their fruit. By their fruit. So the first thing that I look at when I see a gift begin to be exhibited, I don't necessarily get wowed and enamored by the gift. I say, praise God. God put grace upon them to be able to do it. Come on now. Are we awake? Yes. You're looking at me like a cow at a new gate. Come on now. This is just true. The minute I see a gift begin to operate in somebody, I begin to say, okay, that's wonderful. God showed up. God bailed them out because I know he bailed me out. They yielded to God. But then I need to be looking at fruit. Hello. All right. So he begins to talk about some fruit here. How are we going to walk worthy? He says, with all humility. Boy, that's sorely lacking in the body of Christ right now. Hello. If I'm going to walk worthy of the calling in which I've been called, then I've got to be a person of humility. Now, Jesus never asked us to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. Did Jesus operate in humility? Absolutely he operated in humility. But you wouldn't know that in the, today's body of Christ. Not here, not at a late church. We're all perfect here. Every single one of us. <laughs> Every single one of us, we're absolutely perfect. You know, it's those looking through the camera right now and those that are outside, okay? But humility. Here, here's where I see where the problem of humility is. is because we, we're an empowerment culture, we believe in people building. We believe in people identifying and finding their gifts. We have people going around. Hello. Telling others who they are. I'm a prophet. I'm a this. I'm a that. Or as Bob says, a this is or a that is. Amen? That's a joke. No one will understand but me and Bob. But I'm this, I'm that. I do this. God uses me this way. 
Okay, that is not humility. The reason why the body of Christ is having a short circuit is because there is pride in the house. There's absolute pride in the house. We begin to think that the gifts generate from us, and they don't. They're as the Spirit wills. So that means the Spirit gets the credit for all of the gifts. We don't get the credit for the gifts. All we get credit for is that we yield ourselves to what he wants to do. And we're just a vessel. You see, you don't necessarily, you know, when I drink out of this cup, although I like my Batman cup, it's the water inside of it that refreshes me, not the cup itself. And we've got a lot of people that are just beginning to promote their cup And they're not operating in humility. Hello. Next one's gentleness. Have you been on social media? Have you seen gentleness in the body of Christ? You see criticism? Hello. People say crazy stuff all the time on social media. But you are not the social media police. Hello. Gentleness. Gentleness. It's not something that we're operating in the way we should. See, I had to look at myself. I'm not, I'm not just pointing my finger at you or pointing my finger at anybody. I, I, I've had to look at myself. Gentleness. You see, beginning to condescend and look down on others for the way they might, their method, or what they might say or what they might believe, or maybe they put up a YouTube video of a preacher you don't like. Or maybe they put up a quote uh, that you don't necessarily agree with, you know, and, and you want to get on that timeline and you want to fix them. Hello? Gentleness. Notice this next one. Patience. We're not living in a world filled with patience. And we're not living in a world filled with patience. We're not living in a church filled with patience. Hello. People get so impatient in church, they will stand in line at Disney World for hours. But you get inconvenienced in church, there's no patience. There's no long-suffering whatsoever. And if a person misses it one time, it's done. But you can get offended at Disney World all day long from their $12 ice cream cones. But yet, no problem. Hello. Okay. All right. I'm going to hit you in this last three minutes, all right? Okay, all right. It says, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. See, I don't need to break these things down to the Greek. It's pretty much, you know, say what they mean and mean what they say. Amen? 
Are you bearing one another with love? Because here is the culture of our times. The culture of our times is an offense culture. There's not anybody that you don't bump into in this life right now in this season that is not offended. But why is that a problem in the world? I submit to you that it's because it's a problem in the church. If we can't handle offense in the church by the very master that told us how to handle offense, then what expectation do we have of having any kind of impact or import in the world? There's absolutely no possible way. If we can't lift up and bear with one another in love, that means to bear up. That means regardless of what you say and do, I love you. You're my family. We belong together. I'm not giving up on you. I'm not turning my back on you. Jesus never turned his back on me. I'm not turning my back on you. We bear with one another in love. And you might be going through a crazy season right now. You might say some things and do some things that kind of make my skin crawl. But I ain't giving up on you. That's how you walk worthy. Because did Jesus do all those things for you? Did he walk in humility? Does he walk in humility today? Absolutely he does. Is he gentle with you? Oh my goodness gracious. Is the Lord patient with you? Amen. And he's bared us up. In love. Amen. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. Very important as we go down this scripture that we understand that he does not say unity of the faith. Now he talks about unity of the faith later. And it's the role of ministry gifts to help equip the body to walk in the unity of the faith. But what he wants us to do is be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. Because I can believe something different, but we're still a part of the body of Christ. We still are unity of the Spirit. So that means that I, we don't need to use denominations to separate us because we're one body. Are you with me? Okay. So I'm endeavoring for unity of the spirit. I can hook up with you where I can hook up with you. There may be some things I can't hook up with you, but I'm going to bear you up in love. I'm not going to criticize you, lambast you, ostracize you, isolate you, walk away from you. Is this speaking to anybody? No, I'm going to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And notice this, in the bond of peace, not in the bond of strife. Hello? Okay, I told you I was going to talk about money, and I'm I'm going to keep my promise. Okay? Because I've ran out of time. All right. Now, 
this may seem totally unrelated, but it is not. It is not unrelated at all. We have been duped into believing lies. And one of the biggest lies that we have that destroy all of the things that we just talked about is this lie right here. And it's a lie that you've all heard and we got to speak the truth in love. And I'm going to pre-give you a, um, a disclaimer at the front of this. I am not in trouble. The church is not in trouble. I'm not motivating you to do what I'm talking about. I am not getting on to you whether you do it or whether you do not do it. All right? Can I, can I say that? So my sole purpose of talking about this thing is to get you to realize that we have all been duped into a, 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 a mode of thinking that has limited our lives and has robbed us from what is truly ours in Christ. And this is it. The church just wants your money. The church just, how many have heard that? Yeah. Yeah. Rest of you are liars. Everybody's heard it. How many of you said it? We'll see how many raise their hand in there, you know. The church just wants your money, okay? Now, I know that there are charlatans out there, there are con men out there, and there are people that will take advantage of other people. I understand that. But the idea that any and all ministries are built from old people's pensions And that little old ladies, which there's none of them in here, have given their last penance so that I could do or some preacher could do some kind of thing and lavish upon some kind of airplane is absolutely ludicrous. It gets quiet when you start talking about this stuff. I'm not just going to tell you biblically I'm going to show you the cold, hard facts, okay? From sea to shining sea, my friends, churches have popped up all over the place. The average church attendance in the churches of the United States of America, the average church is 65 people. Only 2%, the upper 98 and 99% of churches are over 200 people. So we talk about everything's a mega church. Every, all the mega churches are taking over. That's a lie. 84% of Oklahomans stayed home this morning. 84%. Now, you can have all these mega churches, and it didn't change in 10 years. 84% stayed home. 84%. 
The average church is 65 people. I'm glad and blessed of the Lord to say that we're up in the upper 2% in a rural community. But I don't boast in that. Out of the 65 people, they are all pastored and some of them don't even have pastors. Majority of the pastors that pastor churches across this nation are bivocational. That means the church can't even pay them a salary to oversee the flock. In over 97% of the churches in the United States of America, they're either pastored by churches that are not, by, by pastors that are not paid or have to get their income from another source. But the church is after your money. No, Nancy Pelosi's after your money. But the church ain't after your money. Government's after your money. Church ain't after your money. It's a lie. It's an absolute, utter lie. We got to speak the truth about this stuff. It's an utter lie. It does, statistically, it doesn't matter. You got to look at the statistics, friends. Out of those churches, it's getting worse. Out of these churches. Only 6% of the congregation give anything to the church. Look it up. Don't just take my word for it. Look it up. 6%. That means in a church of 65, 3.9% of the people give. But the church after your money, Jeff. The church is after your money. That's all they want. They want your money. What money? What money? 3.9%. That means if you had 100 in congreg- 100 congregation, six people pay for the party. Well, the church is after your money. Yeah. Got a hot tub fund. He's built. Come on. Hello. It's pretty sobering, isn't it? When you realize that the greatest institution on the world, we just got through telling you that the church is the greatest institution of the world. Jesus is still multiplying loaves and fishes. Because I'm here to tell you, friends, he takes what comes in and he, I'm telling you, I, I, I look and I think, how in the world were we able to do what we've done for 15 years? How, how we've been able to do it? And it's the Lord. All I can say is the Lord. I, I, I can't take credit for it. I don't have any kind of business acumen. I don't have any kind of, you know, great, uh, 
ability to to administrate. I, I have to have people around me. I got I got to have Rebecca. I got to have my wife. People that administrate me. I'm big. I'm big picture guy. Hello. And we've seen God take so. Uh, I'm, listen, this church is blessed, and and you are well above the percentages that I'm talking about. This is a healthy, growing and giving church. And I'm not saying these numbers to motivate you. You've made your decision. Whether you're going to give or not, whether you believe the tithe is real, you make that decision. I'm not here to pressure you. I'm here to tell you what the Word says. But I'm not here to push you into something. And that's not the reason for this. That's not the reason for this. We've got to understand that we have been duped we don't care if Jay-Z has a plane. We don't care if Beyonce has the bling. But boy, a preacher. If a preacher has anything, they're wicked. They're evil. They're doing something wrong. That's Nothing could be further from the truth. Are there charlatans out there? Of course. Of course. But the lie that the church is after your money needs to be destroyed in your life. Because it's keeping you from financial breakthrough in your life. If the church is the most important entity that God backs with the very throne he sits on, then I would be investing and giving my time, my money, and my energy to that institution and stop giving it to Walt Disney and stop giving it to... Hello. It's a lie. It's an absolute, utter lie. Hello. It's a lie. I talk with pastors all day long. None of them complain or whine about money, but I know they're struggling. I've known people that have pastored all their lives and don't have anything to show for it. And yet we want to sit on the throne and we want to condescend. And anytime we ask, you know, maybe we could build a building or help a missionary, you know, oh my gosh. There they go again, asking for that money. I cannot believe they are asking for money again. I'm going to keep asking. If I have a million dollars in the bank, I'm going to still ask. Because money isn't about me getting it out of your pocket. It's about getting God in your wallet. It's about getting God... You're dependent too much on it. That Benjamin Franklin's your Lord, not Jesus. 
somber note. But it's the truth. The church isn't after your money. I know I would do this, and I have done it, <laughs> without money. And the staff, same thing. In fact, we tell anybody that comes on, if you're doing it for the money, you're the wrong place. You're the wrong place. Hello. So that tells me a couple of things, a couple of things that we need to know. That tells me that any time I'm getting that inkling and feeling that pressure or feeling that they're putting too much pressure on me to give and stuff like that, I need to realize that that's not, uh, that, that's the enemy. The enemy is trying to keep you from operating in God's financial plan for your life. And so he wants to personify it as a person. Well, that preacher, he wants your money. He, he drives this and he drives that and he has this car. Listen, I don't know if you've seen my house. I'm a pretty modest individual. The majority of pastors that I hang out with, they're modest. They're modest in anything that they do. Now, we look at brother so-and-so on television, brother so-and-so, we begin to do that. And, and the, the deal is, that's God's servant. I'm not to judge God's servant. I'm not to judge. You know, he's going to stand before the Lord and give an account, as I am as well. So I'm not worried about who has a plane and who has this and who has that. That doesn't bother me at all. People get, well, what do you think about brother so-and-so? Well, I don't. What well, I don't, I don't. He needs what he needs to do what he does. I need what I need. Oh, come on now. And you need what you need to do what God's called you to do. But here's the problem. If money makes you angry, you've got a problem with money. And the church has a problem with money. And until we repent of it, and until we do something about it, you guys ain't going nowhere in your personal life. You're not going, you're not going to get breakthrough. God don't like ugly. And I think we need to take serious consideration of our ways. If you feel like you're putting money with a bag with holes in it, you need to consider your ways. If it feels like the heavens are brass, you need to consider your ways. If things aren't breaking through for you, if you're not seeing, you need to consider your ways. See, because it's not the amount of money you give. It's the attitude and heart you put in it. Because a person can give a dollar with more for God than someone writing a million dollar check that has no regard for it. See, we look at it wrong. God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the percentage. Hello? Are you okay? You look like I slapped you. Walk worthy. 
Walk worthy of your calling. If God has called me, I'm going to walk in his ways. I'm not going to be duped by the enemy into thinking his lies. Who would want the church broke? Who would want the church shut down? There are some people that actually say, well, God did that. God isn't shutting churches down. Hello. There are some churches that shouldn't exist. (laughs) But God ain't shutting churches down. Who would want you broke? Who would want a believer broke and sick? God? God up in heaven saying, man, I need to teach them a lesson. They need to be broken sick. No, it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Let's get one thing straight. Someone that wants you broke and destitute and wants the church broke to where it has no influence in the earth is the devil. And yet we partner with him. I've partnered with him, you know. Hello. Well, they've got some problems down there. I don't agree with everything that they do down there. What? What? What don't? I had one guy tell me that. He said, well, I just told him, met somebody that left the church. Well, I just told him I don't agree with everything that goes on there. And I said, what don't you agree with? Right. And they couldn't tell me. Exactly. They couldn't tell me at all. He just was saving face. Because yeah. Yeah. we respect the honor of men more than the honor of God. Yeah. People talk about my church, talk about my pastor. I said, hey, 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 hey. Let me tell you something. That's not right and that's not true. Come on now. But instead, pastors, and some of you have pastored, we don't get taken up for. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not crying in my beer here, all right? I'm just telling you. These attitudes are wrong. They're satanic and of the devil, and they're robbing you. They're robbing you. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings today, but that's all right. I'm sorry I broke up your Black Panther party. <laughs> But it's the truth, guys. It's a lie. Here's another lie, and I'm not going to unpack it because I'm already late. All authority is suspect. That's what they're teaching in our colleges. But yet they're authoritatively teaching. Hello. All authority is suspect. You can't trust anybody. Anybody in authority, you need to rebel against. That's not how this thing works. It's not how the body of Christ works. In fact, if we go down, and we're going to go down that list of scriptures, it talks about fivefold ministry gifts. Did you know that you cannot go to the place where you are called to go without fivefold ministry gifts? You can't do it. But yet people will try to do it. Well, we're going to just have church at home. 
Well, I, I asked him one question. Do you have a five-fold ministry gift in your, church, in your house? One that you pull out of a case? And, okay. No, no, I don't feel. Then you ain't going to go nowhere. I'm all for family prayer. I'm all for studying the Bible together. I'm all for that. But you can only get certain things in the church. Now, what I'm talking about, am I talking about this building? No, I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about us coming together. You, I, collectively. We are the body of Christ and members in particular. When we get together, praise God, powerful things happen. Amen? Singly, we really don't have a prayer. But collectively, we are a dangerous force on planet Earth. And the reason why the elitist powers that be want to shut this place down and keep you isolated, they'll let you have a Bible and your internet, but they don't want you coming together because they know if the church comes together, if the body of Christ coheses together, that they are going to experience the great giant that is on the earth, the body of Christ filled with the power of the Spirit of God. And they are shaking in their boots. But if they can keep us divided, and they do it through, the church just wants your money. Why are you letting them speak into your life? Who is this pastor anyway? Who is this prayer leader of yours? Sounds like a cult to me. These are ways that divide the body. And that, my friend, is why we're not experiencing revival. Oh, there's pockets. Not like it should be. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If we're fighting over money, listen, God wants us to answer the call of this generation. He wants us to answer the cries of the people. But I'm telling you, my friends, we will never answer those cries if we're sitting and fiddling with whether we should tithe or not. People are dying and we're sitting there saying, should I tithe on the gross or the net? A war is being waged, and yet we're talking about, you know, whose doctrine is the best. Unity of the Spirit, guys. If you're my sister, we're, we're, you're my family. Hello. And we're all at different stages of spiritual growth and development. So that means, you know what, we might embrace something in one season of our lives, and God take us through and teach us. And, we embrace something different later on. That's the way spiritual growth happens. Yeah. Hello. Did you get anything out of that? 
I know this is a straight talk, guys. This ain't no, no breakdown or anything. It's just straight talk. Because God wants to get us in a position to answer the call. Yes. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, we have counselors that are going to be up here. And if you need to be born again, you need to be filled with the Spirit, you need to uh, rededicate your life, or you need healing in your body, they're going to be up here. And so I'm going to close this out, remind you of uh, class tonight also. It's not too late to sign up for Bible school. If you've wanted to be in Bible college, we've got the hookup. And so just show up tomorrow night, Black Building, 7 o'clock, and we'll get your books and get you set up. No one needs to be left behind. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.